Hi everyone, my name is Jennifer Song and this is Zeke Song. Together we'll be reading today's scripture which comes from the book of Psalms chapter 78 verses 1 through 7 and Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 through 7. Please give your attention to the reading of God's word. Psalms chapter 78 verses 1 through 7. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonder that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children. That the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall walk of them when you sit in your house and you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Amen. Now let's give our full attention to the preaching of God's word. Christ Central, it is... Truly a privilege and honor of mine to be here. 12 years of celebrating Lord's faithfulness in life and this church. You know, as I get older, one thing that I do appreciate is that um, I'm realizing a little bit more that, you know, we don't just do ministry alone. We don't exist in vacuum. I am so encouraged by who you are and what you're doing. And I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for being an amazing church. And I want you to know that I bring greetings from your sister church, and we are your biggest fan. And I want you to know that we are so, so proud and so glad to be uh, doing this ministry, the glorious work, together in the Lord. Um, share the same sentiment. Um, pastor Harold, your senior pastor, no exaggeration here, amongst all of our friends, we know he's the most gifted one, most amazing, talented preacher, presider. That was like the best presiding that I've ever seen in life. He's just so smooth and everything is so good. But I also know the, the other side of him, not so good side of him. But the fact that we three of us can share and be completely honest with each other and be ready to be corrected is one of the greatest blessings in life. So thank you for taking care of um, our dear friend. Continue to uh, support him, pray for him, so that he will finish this race faithfully before the Lord. Um, Pastor Harold asked me to come down and share. And obviously, it's an anniversary service, so I'm here to uh, celebrate the Lord's faithfulness together with you guys. Uh, but some conversation happened as we are going back and forth as to, I asked him, is there anything that you want me to address? And we never had this conversation, but Pastor Harold shared his heart as to what he really wants CCSD 
to do in next decade and next phase of Christ Central's ministry. And I was just so amazed because it is the very similar thing that I've been struggling in my own life. So what I'm actually sharing today is with you is what I also shared with my congregation not too long ago on our Vision Sunday. And I just want to speak unto you today. As you now not only look back 12 years of Lord's faithfulness, as you now enter into this new chapter of your ministry in the future, I want you to think with me as to what is God calling us to do? And I want to share with you in my mind, the greatest task and the calling that he is extending to us is to be a church that will live a legacy of faith from generation to generation. That is the main point. I want you to think, and I want you and I to be challenged, and let's really ask the Lord to convict us today. I know we are a Presbyterian church, but can I get an amen on that? Amen. Will you join me? Let's ask the Holy Spirit to work in us. God, we come before you, and we pray. Our time together as we sit under your preached word will be life-transforming. Lord, we're not asking for inspiration. We're not asking for encouragement. We are asking for the work of the Holy Spirit to transform us today. Speak unto us. May your grace be learned and realized and be found in this place today. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll keep it interactive. I know it's really blinding. These spotlights are really, really bright. But uh, how many of you guys, can I just ask, um, are uh, younger than 30 in this place? You can raise your hand. Okay, so there are some of you guys. I want to actually thank you for being here. And I want you to know that you matter to church. I want to share with you some very uh, disheartening and discouraging, you know, maybe stats. Did you know that the percentage of young adults dropping out from churches, 60%, especially in the age group of 18 to 19, 29. And it is also mentioned according to the two recent study conducted by the Barna Group and USA Today, Nearly 75% of Christian young people fall away from the faith and leave the church altogether after high school. Many historians, church historians that is, will agree that Protestant churches in North America is aging, we are decreasing, and the sobering reality is this. We are one generation away from having a faithless generation. Two major personal milestone events took place in my life last year. First, my daughter, my pride and joy. Um, I don't know how this happened so fast, but she went up to a college. So now she's a sophomore in college. I didn't really think that it was going to impact me greatly. But I still remember very vividly after we dropped her off at her dorm, coming back home, both my wife and I 
cry. We did that ugly crying. We're just to be very honest. For three hours in the car. I didn't know the meaning and the impact of her presence in my life till that point. And I found myself, for the first time, begging before the Lord with this simple prayer request. Lord, she is no longer under my roof. I'm praying that you will continue to lead her every step of the way. And then last year, I turned 50. I became an official senior, and I signed up for AARP membership. So I'm getting a lot of discounts as a senior now. And one thing that is um, about me is that I'm not really good with numbers. I don't remember the days or years. So the way I actually value my own life is always by a decade. So I know that in my 30s, I spent my life uh, doing uh, work as a church planter. In my 40s, I moved up to the Bay Area to serve uh, Christ Central uh, Presbyterian Church. And as I was turning 50, I found myself really struggling trying to find that motivation. Lord, what is it that I must do for next 10 to 15 years? I'm 51 already, 14 years left. And as I was struggling with this question of my own heart's desire and motivation, one thing became crystal clear. For the first time in my life, I knew something that was worth going after. And I pray and I am so indebted to the Lord for giving me this conviction. I want to do everything that I can to help the next generation to know Jesus and faithfully serve the Lord. CCSC, 12 years. The goal isn't to be around for 20 years, but to be there until the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So younger next generation, that you will continue to carry on the legacy of faith. So three things that we're going to consider for us to remember to guide us in this sermon. I want us to consider Father's heart. Secondly, I want us to consider Father's instruction. And lastly, I want us to consider Father's promise. Psalm 78 is a wonderful psalm. And the entire psalm is on this topic of investing and making a commitment to the next generation. But before we go into the proper text, I want you to now see the opening verse of Psalm 78. It begins like this. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Listen to me. There's something important that I want you to hear. What this psalm is saying and what God is saying to us in this room is this. Can I have your attention? Can you now listen to me? Because I'm about to share something that is dear to my heart, something that is important to me. And I want you to listen because I don't want you to forget what I'm about to share with you. So much so in Psalm 78, we are told that God has given a law to Israel. And you know what the point of emphasis was? I want you to teach this law to the next generation. So what is the law that we are referring to in Psalm 78? That is the passage that we read in Deuteronomy chapter 6, which is known as the summary of the law, the greatest commandment. 
to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your uh, heart. We all know that particular commandment. Jesus reaffirms that it is the first and the greatest commandment. But here's something I want you to know. In that chapter, Deuteronomy 6, after God declaring the most important law, and this is what he says to the sons of Israel, I want you to diligently teach this to your children. No, God is not saying paying attention to your children is some kind of moralistic responsibility. It's not just a priority, but I want you to see my heart when it comes to the well-being and the faith of next generation. It is of the utmost significance to me. All of us who are parents in this room, you know how much you love your children. Every child is special unto you. And when I read today's passage, I am understanding the Father's heart for his children. Jesus always, always throughout his ministry, welcomed every little ones unto him. Jesus never made them to be tomorrow's project, secondary priority, but he said, I want you to pause everything. When a child comes, I will give my attention to you. So what do we learn from today's passage? First and foremost, before we go into the implication of the teaching and the instruction, what God wants you to know is his heart, that is, for the children. You know, one of my friends who is a family and life counselor told me this. So often many Christians think that children are their possessions. But Psalm 127 reminds us, children are gifts from the Lord. Not your possession, not for your glory, not for your reputation. When we say they are gifts from the Lord, it clearly implies that they belong to him. So you and I must commit. The very matter of our youth, younger generation, is not an option Rather, it is the greatest calling given from our Father in heaven. Now that we have considered the Father's heart, will you now consider with me the Father's instruction? So God reminds us, I want you to teach this diligently. That is the command. So what do we teach? There are two lessons, two important lessons we must teach our children. First, we teach our children to love God passionately. Consider with me the greatest commandment. I want you to love your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. It is the summary of the moral law. A lot of people misunderstand the, the central point of Ten Commandments. Ten Commandment is not a standard or moralistic teaching that is given to you but it is a covenant that God makes in order to be a personal God unto them. The best exposition on the Ten Commandments that I've heard is this. Every law reminds you God is indeed the most significant thing in life. Do not have any other gods before you. Do not have any other idols. 
Don't make money, your success, your beauty. If those things become your idol, they will never satisfy you. But through those laws, God reminds you, find me, believe in me. When you know me, I will satisfy you. When you know me, I will make sense of your life. When you know me, when you love me, you will know you are truly loved. You know why God tells us to spend Sabbath and keep it holy? Because this is his plea unto you. Spend time with me. Get to know me because I am committed unto you. Do not have, do not commit adultery. You don't need to have someone else to fulfill your heart because I will be faithful unto you. It's a summary of the teaching. You know why we don't steal as a children of God? Because God makes a promise unto you. I'll be a faithful father and I will provide for you. So that is the summary of the law. Love your God. But notice the teaching that is mentioned in chapter 6 in the book of Deuteronomy. I want you to teach that to children. And the way he wants you to teach you is this. I want you to talk with your children at home when you get up, when you lie down, and when you sit. What are these activities? We're not talking about learning information in classroom. But these are your daily routines, are they not? We get up, we walk, we sit. And what God is doing is this. When you teach your children on a daily basis, I want you to show them who matters the most in life. I don't know about you guys, but my kids are very brutally honest with me. They will call me out sometimes. And they will say, Dad, you know you don't love us. Because you love sports more than us. And when I'm watching, yeah, Lakers and Dodgers, in that moment, I love that a little bit more than loving my own kids. Why is this important? Because our children know what we love the most personally. Once I attended a family and life conference, and this particular counselor gave this exhortation to all the couples that were sitting in this room. He said, if you really, really want to teach your children about the, uh, the true value of marriage, this is what you have to do. Teach your children that you love your spouse, your wife, or your husband more than you love your kids. I love my kids. I, think, I know they love me. But you know, later on, when I get sick, say I'm not able to move, it's not going to be my kids who's going to support me. They're not going to take care of me. I know how selfish they are. I know how degenerate they are. I will not be their number one priority. But you know who's going to stay with me, stay next to me? It's going to be my wife. So I always tell my children, I love you guys, but I love my wife more than loving you. They know that. Why is this important? Because they, in and through your commitment to your spouse and your wife or your husband, they know that you truly love each other. In the same way, what God is saying is this, parents, older generation, show and demonstrate, display to the next generation whether you really love God the most or not. May I bring up something that you may find maybe a little offensive, but I do want to address this as a pastor unto you. Parents, 
Do you know as to why it is so crucial for you to keep the Sabbath? Because you're teaching your children, not just attending church, but you are sharing with them your true value system. What matters the most to you and to your family is Jesus, and that is the reason why you keep the Sabbath holy. We're not asking you to come to fill the pews. It's not for the sake of church attendance. But I want you to teach and show to your children what really matters the most. Is Jesus really the worthy of your attention, of your time, and of your life? And what God is telling us to do in this command is to teach this truth to love God more than anything else diligently to our children. You know, so often we worry about raising our children in this world. And rightfully so. It is a broken world. School system is very secular. And we are maybe afraid as to how they will be influenced by the world. But I once heard from a pastor, and it really, really bothered me and challenged my core. Do you really think that our children are being secularized at school? But may I remind you, could it be? They're being secularized at home more than anything else. Our children know what we value the most. And oftentimes, we remind them, what school you go to is the most important thing. What job that you will get is the most important thing. Your success and your accomplishment, those things matter more than anything else. It is our responsibility on us to show and teach and influence our children to love Jesus more than anything else. That's what God is telling us to do. The second lesson that we need to teach them is this. I want you to share your testimony story of grace to your children. In chapter 6 in the book of Deuteronomy, after receiving the law and commands, the children of the second generation Israelites asked the parents, what is the meaning of all these commands? Why do we celebrate? Why do we observe all these things? And God tells the parents, I want you to tell them this. I was once a slave, but God rescued me and he saved me. Janet, thank you so much for that story of grace. This is the most important responsibility of the parents to the children. Maybe we are Asian American, you know, we come from this honor, maybe shame-based culture. We all want to carry ourselves as someone who has it all together. Maybe we want to become an example for our you know, you know, children to follow after. But more and more I read the scriptures. And when you read chapter 78, Psalm 78, you know what's really interesting about this psalm? It's a compilation of all the mistakes and the failures of Israelites. They have forgotten the Lord. They were stubborn before the Lord. And what Jesus is saying through this teaching is this. Remind your children how helpless you were, but in and through your failures and disappointments and all the mistakes you have made, will you show unto your children a loving, understanding, patient, 
Jesus. Do you openly share about your sin? Do you share about your insecurities? Do you share about your struggles? One sociologist did this survey to the young generation and asked this question, what is your biggest complaint about church? And you know what number one reason was? They hated the fact that church was inconsistent. There was no one with the conviction to tell the truth. In other words, they see right through us. They want to experience a genuine, sincere faith. And genuine, sincere faith of every Christian means this. We struggle to believe. We struggle with sin. But I am proud to share with my children, I am a sinner, maybe a worse sinner than you think. And yet, let me present to you a Savior that is kind, understanding, compassionate, slow to anger. He is forever forgiving, and he will always be there for me. And when your children see in and through the story of your grace how amazing Savior is, that's when they fall in with a Savior of their own. Do you share? Keep sharing. Keep praying. Remind them how much God loves them. In the words of one theologian, don't reach the next generation with your own cleverness, your humor, and your looks. But amaze them with God. Reach the next generation with Jesus. Give them substance, not superficial, not temporary, but the substantial promises only found in Jesus. One of our elders, I won't mention his name. I think many of you guys actually do know him. Well accomplished. When you look at his uh, CV or resume, I mean, he is the ideal child of every Korean parent. Amazing school, great job. One time we had a youth staff gathering at my house and this elder asked all the teachers their occupation, their passion. Afterwards, I had no idea this was what he was gonna do. He began to say this, can I just encourage you one thing? You know, I really didn't know anything about my life. Do you know how many mistakes that I made? How many jobs that I actually didn't, you know, uh, get? I was struggling with sin, addiction. And then he said, but I want you to know one thing. Jesus will lead you every step of the way. He was so confident about Jesus' saving grace that he absolutely had no shame of sharing his struggles. Sometimes I think we try to be too good on our own. But may the message which we communicate to our children be, story of grace, point of emphasis, not on you, but in Jesus who loves you. Finally, I want you to now consider with me the Father's promise. One particular study found this. When both parents are actively involved in church and serving, 93% of their children remain faithful. When only one parent remains faithful and serves the church, 73% of their children remain. When neither parent was particularly active in church, only 53% of their uh, children stay in the church. And then number drops 
when they are not engaged in church at all to 6%. The point isn't to scare you or to discourage you. But the point I'm trying to make is I want you to see the connection in terms of your influence, your presence in their lives. We are the primary teachers, primary influencers on our children. We as a church are influencing the next generation. But Pastor Ben, if that is the case and I am a total failure, I'm not a good godly parent at all. Rest be assured, neither am I. So then what promises is there? This is when you turn to God. The same doctrine of grace that you believe in. Not you, but there is a Savior outside of you. In the same way, there is God who will keep his promises unto our children is indeed the promise given. Proverbs 22, verse 6 reads, Train a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not turn from it. Do you remember 2 Timothy when Apostle Paul commends those who came before Timothy and how much they made an influence? And who are they? His mother and grandmother. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. Two women who made the most impact on my life is my mom and my grandmother. If you want for their prayer and support and encouragement, I probably will not be standing here today. So parents, I want you to believe in God's covenant. God who identifies not only with you, but also with your children. I am God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was God's identification. In the same way, when God gives you a promise, it's not only for you, but also to your children and to their children. The greatest, greatest assurance and promise that we have in Jesus is not what you will do, but what he will do, how he will keep his promise, and how he will raise his children. There are some parents in this room. I know your struggle because you see your child struggling with his or her fate. Maybe they're not even near the church. But I want to encourage you because I believe in this from the bottom of my heart. Every child will go through his and her journey of faith. But one thing that I know for sure as you continue to share the gospel, pray. God will bring his child back to him. So stay encouraged. Don't be discouraged. But continue to do what God has called you to do. Hundred years from now on, nobody will remember us. I think Pastor Harold is one of the probably the only famous, you know, pastor who will be remembered for maybe next hundred years. But I will be forgotten. But you know who will not be forgotten? It's the next generation who will be remembered by God. Psalm 78. When you have a chance, go home and read and meditate. And I just love the ending of this particular psalm. After listing all the mistakes, all the failures of the previous generation, 
it ends with this promise. With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. Don't you love that? Trust me, God says. In spite of your failures, in spite of your mistakes, I'll be the one who will remain as a faithful shepherd unto your children. We have a lot to pray, don't we? When I share this to our church on our vision Sunday, the most beautiful thing of that Sunday was this. I actually asked the parents to hold the hands of their children and have a moment to intercede on their behalf. So what I want to do today is this most meaningful thing that we can do on this anniversary service. Parents, if you're sitting next to your child, mom and dad, can I ask you to hold the hands of your children or child? Will you pray for them? If you don't have children, if you are maybe under 30, older generation, if you're over 30, by the way, we're all old, okay? Let's just go with that. So if you're old, find somebody near you, younger brother or younger sister. Can I ask you to minister to one another, to next generation? Pray for them. Commit to them. And ask God to reveal himself so they will remain true in their faith. So let me give you a moment to do that. Right now, find someone. Uh, you know, we could be very interactive. So if you need to go, if you have a heart for someone, I would encourage you, go find that person. So we want to actually pray for one or two minutes together. Let me ask you to do this together with us, okay? So now find someone, and let me give you a minute or two to really pray and intercede for your children and your younger brothers and sisters. Let's do it. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that we can call you as our Father. Thank you for saving us through childbearing pain of our Lord Jesus on the cross so that we may be born again and born again as your children. And we thank you, Lord God, that you consider our children as your own. And we pray for them. First, we repent of our unfaithfulness, immaturity, and ungodliness as the older generation. Although, Lord God, we fall short, we pray somehow you will reveal yourself as a gracious Lord unto our own children. We pray for that. May they not be those who follow the world, but may they be your precious children who love you, who serve you, and who will faithfully dedicate their lives to seek your kingdom. Teach us on this day what matters the most in life and death is to know that we belong to Jesus. And may Christ central May this amazing, beautiful church, CCSD, become a church that will display the beauty and the glory and the worthiness of our Lord Jesus to all. May this church continue to thrive, not only for 
current generation, but also the next generation. And may this church remain faithful until the day of our Lord Jesus. And as Pastor Harold shared, may many those who do not know Jesus come and find Jesus through this ministry. Bless our time together. May you receive all the glory. And thank you for reassuring us. You are indeed a promise-keeping Savior. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.